What's up, everyone? Thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Kicking Out at Two this week as we present to you SummerSlam Head Scratchers. That's right. Matches in SummerSlam history that made you scratch your head and go, huh? They did this? They went in this direction? And, uh, yeah, so we're going to discuss some of the more infamous ones in SummerSlam history. This week, joining me, as always, is my good buddy, my dear, close personal, longtime friend, Dennis Jay Levy. What's up, Dennis? Hey, uh, John, always a pleasure. That, that uh, I think this is going to be a fun podcast, so I'm very excited. To yeah, that. yeah. You know, la- full disclosure, kayfabe, we're going to break the fourth wall here for just a moment. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, August the 2nd. On Friday, July the 30th or 31st, maybe? Yeah, the 30th, you, myself, and Justin recorded next week's podcast, which is our Build a SummerSlam podcast, where we build the ultimate SummerSlam dream card uh, from SummerSlam matches of the past with different categories. It was a lot of fun. We had a blast doing that. Originally, we were going to drop it this week on Wednesday, August the 4th, but some circumstances in the wrestling world kind of caused me to you know, call an audible here. And I thought with, with that happening and my theme of SummerSlam head scratchers, I kind of want to start with current day wrestling and bring back what I'd like to call our roll call here on Kicking Out at Two and uh, talk about the very controversial release of your favorite character of all time in all of wrestling history, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, was released from WWE over last weekend on Saturday, July the 31st. There's been a lot of mixed stories surrounding the release. Maybe it had to do with mental health. Some are saying it's budget cuts. Some are saying he's had a hot and cold relationship with Vince. He didn't like his creative. There's all different kinds of rumor and innuendo and, and, and theories out there. Uh, and to me, I, it's the ultimate head scratcher right now as to why they would be letting someone of his caliber go. But as a fan of The Fiend, a, a mega fan, Dennis, I should say, um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first personal, devastated, like devastated. Like I, I'm the, the only thing I would, for 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 selfish reasons that I'm glad about. I thought wrestling had a black hole to me, where I'm just like on autopilot and stuff like that. This yeah. is the first time I'm tearing up already. That that that, that, that wrestling this probably gave me emotion. I'm, I'm watching it. Yeah, that, that, watching that, it that, right uh, He's tearing that, up. That, uh, I love this dude. I love wrestling. It made yeah. me like feel like. The reason why, like in two thousand or you know in nineteen ninety four, while I was watching wrestling, all these gimmick wrestlers and it was fun and like you know you know you got an illusion that it was real and blah 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 you know and the supernatural could be real right Undertaker and like you know and mankind and like Kane the Kane yep and like 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 for a second and a half like you know like you believe the supernatural was real and like yeah you know and like and like your belief in wrestling and um, you know you get it. Yeah, like yeah, I finally got it back. Like, 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 like when ECW, like, like wrestling, like, like I was a super fan of like ECW wrestling, right? And that was the last time I was a super fan of anything. Yeah. Then Bray Wyatt came along with the cult, with, with the cult leader gimmick, and I loved that. I ate that up, and I thought like, wow, this is an amazing stuff. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, with the Fiend, that just took it up to the next level for me to fandom, and like, I'm like, dude. This is my favorite wrestling I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That that um, so like I like I like I told you, uh, Dave, in the car, like, 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 like the only time sports hurt me like this, and this hurt me bad. This is this is machete to the heart. That that uh, that's when, that's when, pretty when, deep. That that uh, 
that was when um, everyone knows I'm a, anyone who's been listening to Kicking Out Two for the last year or so knows I'm a big Minnesota Viking fan. Yes, die hard. When, when the Vikings traded Randy Moss, that was who knows anyone who knows Mortal Kombat. That's when they went in my chest, ripped up my heart, bit it, and showed it to the screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what the Vikings did to me when yeah. they traded Randy Moss. And okay, I feel exactly the same way. I traded. I felt like that Randy Moss trade. Is what what I felt about the uh, Bray Wyatt getting released. Yeah. Absolutely devastation. Yeah, this one's a this one's a tough one because it for the first time in a long time there there well let's let let's circle back here for a minute here when it comes to you know Bray Wyatt you know he was he burst onto he's the he's the son of. Mike Rotundo, the former Irwin R. Scheister. He has a lineage in the 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 uh, the you know the with a wrestling lineage deep. You know his uncle's Barry Windham, who's the brother-in-law of Mike Rotundo. His grandfather, the late great Black Jack Mulligan. You know, so he has a wrestling pedigree behind him. Comes into WWE in 2010 as Husky Harris, and kind of had some. You know, they paired him up with Cody in that NXT like little. Pro, ver- pro rookie, you know, style format of a show. He had some potential there. He was a part of the new Nexus for a little bit. Um, and then he went away for a while. And then this is when he started developing this Bray Wyatt persona down in NXT. It was catching some steam with that audience. And this was before NXT was even on WWE Network. It was just like a Hulu exclusive. Then it was even before, you know, he even made it. Or NXT was on the W, or um, yeah, it was before WWE Network. So you only got to see this stuff on Hulu. And he was developing this like cult following, no pun intended. And to see someone who didn't have a ton of television exposure come up with this character, and then they bring him on to WWE programming in 2013 with the Wyatt family, with you know Luke Harper, the late you know. Uh, Brody Lee and Eric Rowan, the steam that it was getting, the, the the buzz it was getting, it was something that really kind of shook up the product because at the time the product was very PG and it was, you know, very cut and dry, very black and white. And you kind of brought that shade of gray in here with Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. And I've felt for the longest time, you know, he's had these hot and cold start and stop pushes in his trajectory, but I felt like with that, you know, you talk about the cult leader when he first debuted. I felt like there was so much creative potential left on the table. He could have been the number one bad guy with this cult, okay? With these these followers of his, if you will. Did you, you, you ever see the show True Detective on HBO with uh, Woody Harrelson and Matthew oh, McConaughey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved okay. It. Saw a little bit of season two, hated that. Yeah, season two was, and I didn't see season three, but anyhow, season one was based in Louisiana. And in, like, you know, the backwoods of Louisiana. And they had this, like, almost like this, like, cult type of, you know, antagonist, if you will. That they were trying to solve these murders that was involving this individual or individuals. I I don't remember the full premise of the story or the season. But it had this, like, very backwoods, like, following cult type vibe to it. And... It just, it, I, I just was so taken aback by it. I was like, wow, they could do so much with this. I was just amazed, you know. And, of course, everyone first right off the rip thinks like, oh, yeah, him and Undertaker. You know, they threw him with Kane right off yeah. the rip, you know. And, of course, as time went on, 
he'd be up and down with his pushes, but he people always saw him as and in its heart and it's it's really not fair to say this, you know, to him, but people always saw him as the next undertaker, the next supernatural character. You know, because WWE had, you know, your realistic characters and you had some hokey ones, but then you had, you know, Undertaker kind of stood in a, in a, in a, you know, a, a league of his own as this supernatural character. And people thought that Bray Wyatt could have been that character. He could have been the supernatural character to one day fill the shoes or attempt to fill the shoes of Undertaker. Nobody will ever do that, but I think he had potential. I mean, he was just, it was just unbelievable the creative things that, that they that they could have done with him and they wasted that opportunity and then fast forward to the fiend which is your favorite character i felt like they were starting to get it right they were doing like the the very like mr rogers fun show but like in a creepy way kind of vibe as bray wyatt and then he would turn into the fiend this like supernatural dark character this alter ego if you will i thought it was unbelievable stuff and i was like all right they've reinvented him and it's very similar to Undertaker's path and his trajectory. Undertaker went through many different incarnations of his character throughout the course of his career. You know, from being in the dark side to changing his look up over time to then doing the, the American Badass, the biker. You know, a, more of an extension of his real life persona, Mark Calloway. It, I was just amazed at like the amount of creative possibilities this man had in WWE and how they just kind of squandered it. So, I mean, talk to me about some of the things that, like, kind of made you scratch your head when it came to his, you know, some of the creative moments that he was involved in in WWE. Yeah, that, um, of course, the first big one, of course, was the, uh, that, um, losing to the Cena Bomb at WrestleMania. Really? Yeah. You think so? I didn't see that one coming. I really didn't. I thought that was going to be. Like you, like you said, they're gonna. So, so your biggest guy in your company is John Cena, and he's pretty much untouchable. That that. Uh, so, on the biggest stage, how are you gonna make your biggest villain per se, and uh, like, uh, like, like, like you know, that that uh, you have him beat John Cena at WrestleMania, and then you there you go. You got your big. Then you got your bigger than life heel. That 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 uh that, that that then you could build up all your baby faces that you want, you know what I mean? And then like their final boss would be Bray Wyatt, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They did that at they did that at WrestleMania that, 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 uh, for him to defeat John Cena, you know. They could have boom right off the bat. I really do believe that they could have had like you know that that uh that, that, that this this mega like you say this mega this mega heel, you know? Yeah. That uh that um. And so whenever you build up your big baby face, and they're and and they're like you know that that uh, and they're ready to that like uh, to break the 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 ceiling, you know, you pair them up with Bray Wyatt, you know what I mean? That that uh, instead of like, I think that's that's been their problem in the last like like fifteen years or so. Like 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 who so, so you build up these baby faces, right? But who are the like the equal heel? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you could make a strong case for that, but at the same time. I'm not defending it. It's not like we haven't seen this before. You remember, you know, the Hulk Hogan formula. Hulk yeah, Hogan was the top guy. Yeah. He was the champ forever, and he went through everyone. And everyone's, know? and everyone's like, yeah, you had the Million Dollar Man, and you had Sergeant Slaughter, but, like, they were way below the Macho Mans and Hogan's, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, like, so WWE, like, uh, 
I know Roman means currently. I know I sound a little hypocritical, but before Roman reigns, right? Mm-hmm. Name me that, that heel that, that was like, you know, as even to the baby faces for popularity and merch sales and all this stuff. You know what I mean? I really can't name any. That was as popular as the top baby face. That's what I mean, yeah. Now, what do you define popular? Like, like, like okay, so... Or do, or do you mean, like, in terms of, like, equal footing from a character standpoint? Kind of both. Like, 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 uh, yes, I know proper heroes deserve to be booed, but are the booze equal to the cheers of the baby The amount of booze equal to the amount of cheers of the baby. So he's just as... So he's just as... credibility, like you said, too. Okay. Like, 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 I can't... Like, let's say even mid-90s, right? You're Bret Hart... You got Shawn Michaels, that that uh, that that certain Saint Lex Luger, whatever. That that I even take. You could take the Yokozunas, even the Mankinds, of course, the Babyface Undertaker. That 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 uh, I would say take the heels, right? You know, Yokozuna, Mankind. I don't know. Um, that uh, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett was a great mid card heel. Yeah. But uh, I'm just saying that. All right, so, you're, so you're saying as strong of a baby face as who is? Has there ever been a heel as strong as strong as a baby face in a certain exactly, period of time? Yeah. When it comes to the the, the credibility saying, uh, from a character standpoint, and then merchandise. Right. Um, the last time we saw something really heavy that that resembled like old school heat. Yeah. It was probably Randy Orton in 2009. That's true. That's a good point. You know, Randy Orton pretty much targeting the McMahon family on the way to WrestleMania. DDTing Stephanie McMahon, kissing her while Triple H is handcuffed. Yeah. And I, That's a pretty heavy stuff. And it's interesting, you could say also, um, mm. WCW's first run with Sid Vicious, too. That, that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, like, like, when you go to like those Philadelphia pay-per-views, Sid was getting better reaction than worry. Or babyface was wrestling, but uh, yeah. But but uh, but what I'm trying to say is, obviously, it's very rare that happened. Yeah, but, uh, I think Bray Wyatt could have been that guy where that the a heel is equal to like to, to like the babyface. Well, then he would eventually have been a babyface. That's a good point. That's the thing. As of course, that is the thing. Yeah, yeah he would have eventually been a babyface. Yeah, if you think about it. Like, but think about this too. Okay, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons from for. Any incarnation of Bray Wyatt to The Undertaker, okay? We, we, we just mentioned yeah, course, it, you know? Yeah. Fans saw him as that next supernatural figure in the WWE universe. As much as I hate to say WWE universe. Yeah, you know, the fan base, if you will. Because yeah. everybody's still fans. The fucking universe. Fuck the universe. I don't care about WWE universe. Anyhow. Where am I going with this here? Okay, so, so, so let's look at Undertaker's trajectory. When he first started out, yeah. okay? So Undertaker was with Brother Love, and then yeah. he was with Paul Bearer, right? He was a bad guy for, you know, about a year and some change or so, right? Year and a half, maybe, give or take, okay? Had him side, you know, like kind of, you know, as a sidekick to Jake the Snake when Jake the Snake turned heel uh, following, you know, SummerSlam or when he turned on the Ultimate Warrior. Um, and so, you know, he would eventually win the title from Hogan, at Survivor Series in 91. Then he would drop it to him a couple of nights later. <laughs> and you would see the back and forth kind of trajectory as to, you know, 
everyone saw Undertaker as like supernatural, unbeatable. He's the Undertaker. At one point, they even tried to make you believe this guy is really dead and nothing hurts him. But then you put him in the ring with the likes of like Kamala and Kamala became a threat. And everyone, at least in hindsight, looked at that as Kamala, a threat. This goofy guy with the moon on his belly, that's a threat. And then eventually the giant Gonzalez was supposed to be a threat. And they saw, oh my goodness, this big hairy bastard, the Eligante from WCW. They're having the Undertaker lose to him or he's getting beat up by him. And then you go through the list of guys. Mabel, King Mabel, okay? They fed Undertaker, King Kong Bundy at a WrestleMania who was past his prime. They fed Undertaker a lot of crap over the years. And Undertaker's popularity stood the test of time. And Undertaker's popularity was far bigger than wins and losses. Yeah. Okay? He was already over. All right? I mean, they had The Undertaker wrestle the fucking Undertaker at a SummerSlam. Yep. All right? So, I've, I've been a very strong believer that in the sense of like the times when they have squandered opportunities to really elevate Bray Wyatt... He's been so popular with the audience and have gotten such strong reactions and his character was so over that he was going to be able to survive all of that. Now, there were times when he probably should have, you know, come out on the better end of some of those matches. Yeah. You make a strong argument with John Cena at WrestleMania 30, okay? You do. I think he had a lot of momentum going into that WrestleMania. and But at the same time, the story was... The story was in that match, you know, is this evil Bray Wyatt, is he is he the reason for the change that we're seeing in John Cena? Can John Cena still be himself and overcome this demon that is Bray Wyatt? So I wasn't too terribly upset with that loss because Bray Wyatt was super over, yeah. okay? Here's, here's one match where I was just kind of like, huh? So they had him wrestle Undertaker the following year, okay? Undertaker... You know, lost to Brock. The streak was over. Some said that he wasn't coming back, even though that's been talked about forever. He had a legit concussion, went to the hospital. Yeah. You know, people thought like, oh, this is how they're going to write Undertaker off into the sunset. What else is he going to do after the streak got broken? You know, people said, oh, retirement. That's it, right? So Bray calls him out, and it was like, you don't get to walk away. I'm going to be the one to make you walk away. And Bray Wyatt pretty much took the buildup of that match and put it on his shoulders all the way to WrestleMania. You didn't see Undertaker once on TV, okay? You, they made an announcement that he was going to wrestle yeah. Undertaker, Undertaker was going to turn, but you didn't see him once on TV, okay? So, they're in California. Undertaker comes back. They're the semi-main event. It's still light out. So they try to drop the lights, and it's still light out yeah. in the stadium, and it doesn't look very Undertaker-esque, his entrance, Okay? And then he comes out, right? And he grew some of his hair back. And I figured, okay, they were gonna, Undertaker was going to come back with this completely different look. There's something that was so terrifying, so dead man-like. And Undertaker looked like he woke up from a really long nap after a bender. Someone smothered his face with a pillow and said, wake up, motherfucker. Puts the hat and the, and the coat on and says, all right, I'm going to WrestleMania. And then he wrestles Bray Wyatt and 
who was pretty much on fire at that point, all right, from a character standpoint, and he's moving sluggish around the ring, and Bray Wyatt ends up losing to him. I felt like, and maybe this is just me because I, I, I feel that this was, this was I, I'm sticking with my good idea. I Selfishly, I feel like this would have been a great idea, was if Wyatt were to beat him at that WrestleMania, make Wyatt a made guy. Regardless of how Undertaker looked, you beat Undertaker at WrestleMania. Second year in a row. And then Undertaker questions like, well, why did I really come back? All right? You move Wyatt off into the sunset, and Undertaker comes out on Raw the next night and says, maybe it wasn't a good idea. Maybe I don't have it in me anymore. And that's how they set up him and Sting the next year. And that's the match. And Sting says, no, 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 you're not done yet. Everyone's wanting to see this happen. Let's make it happen one last time. First time, only time. Next year, WrestleMania. Undertaker could have retired at that WrestleMania. It was in Texas. Sting went into the Hall of Fame. He was technically, you know. That, I just feel like that would have been a, a really cool scenario. And it would have served a lot of purposes. You could have given Undertaker that match with Sting that everyone's been wanting to see. Bray Wyatt could have been a made guy by beating Undertaker at WrestleMania and been the catalyst to, to, to set that storyline up. That's just me. I think it would have been a great idea. People might think I'm stupid. I'm going to die on that no, sword so. and say that I think that would have been a great idea. That's how you could have made yeah. Wyatt a made guy. Okay? And, you know, he floundered for a long time after that, coming in and out yeah. of things, doing stuff with Roman, being hurt, Wyatt's return. Then they add Strowman to the mix. And then The Fiend pops up a couple years later, and it's like, man, like, whew, like, it was just some really good stuff. I, I just think overall, they 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 really squandered so many creative opportunities. And like I said, there's been rumors that him and Vince have had a hot and cold relationship. He hasn't been really receptive to some of the creative ideas. I think that there were, he, he'd been the victim of, of short-term booking and circumstance. The Goldberg loss, everyone thinks yeah. the Goldberg loss is a huge deal. And I agree. I, I didn't really care for it. They didn't need to do that. They didn't need they to didn't have... Need- their biggest mistake was giving the title in the first place. Yeah, it was way too soon for that. Yeah, and uh, what I called it the revenge. The tour. one when he beat when he and, beat Rollins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm kind of with what, you what there. Should have happened. We should, I think they started off perfectly. <clears throat> you know, I called it the revenge tour. They started off with Finn Balor. That that then he went to uh, Daniel Bryan. That 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 uh, that everyone that did him a wrong. When he was cult leader Bray, yep. the Fiend was cleaning up the mess. Yeah. And that's exactly what was happening. And, of course, the last guy you would have done, in my opinion, would have, would have been Roman Reigns. Or Ray Orton. Or Cena. That, 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 uh, well, they did Cena at that, that, uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. That, that, uh, but I would say, he was doing his revenge tour, and all of a sudden, he put the fucking title on the guy. And now he's well, like, he did that before his... Cena. But I'm just saying. Rollins was like the second month in. It, uh, it kind of was. <clears> but, uh, but I'm just saying, the revenge tour stopped. Once they put the title on him, and then yeah. then he was you know wrestling fucking Miz and like and like yeah. whoever the fuck yeah that, 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 uh, they should have did, yeah. did the revenge tour, and once the revenge the, the the revenge tour was over, that's when you put the title on him. That's when you do your fantasy booking or whatever you know. Yeah, that was their biggest mistake when it came to the Fiend. That 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 uh, they stopped the revenge tour before before like it was it meant to be over. I also think too that. That that moment where Rollins invaded the fun house and bl- and burned it. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. I thought that was dumb, and I thought that kind of took away from 
the character. Like the like Justin made a point in the text message thread. Like it was one of those things where like they should have built to that for a while. Yeah. You know, because Bray Wyatt's Funhouse is an illusion within his own mind. You know, and we're seeing it in front of us on television. But nobody knows where this fun house is, you yeah. know. Apparently, it's backstage in the fucking Arco Arena in yeah. Sacramento, California. You know what I mean? It should have been like invite only or something. Yeah, like, you, know? you know what I mean? Like it, they they made it, you know, it, uh, they they hot shotted it. So yeah. now let me. All right, so we've talked about like our disappointments in you know his career trajectory in WWE as the Bray Wyatt character. Do you think it's do you do you think it was due to budget cuts or do you think it was uh, you know, his mental health. There'd been rumors of his mental health. Um, he, you know, he'd been injured quite a bit yeah. from time to time. I'll say that. You know, he'd been on the shelf, you know, quite a bit throughout the course of his run with WWE. But um, do you think that his release was mental health related? As rumors had suggested, he was really, really yeah. shooken up over Brody Lee's death back in, in, in uh, you know, Christmas of last year. Or do you think it was? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think this this release was from? I thought originally was was Vince and him talking together, like mutually talking, like like hey, you know, hey Bray, our SummerSlam card is looking pretty weak right now. That that uh, is there any way you could come back to wrestling? And and Bray was like, I can't do it, man. I'm just not not in it. And then Vince goes, Well, if you can't work. I'm going to have to make a business decision and release you. And he, and if you, yeah, that was you, right? You're saying I got mental health issues, whatever you know. Like, like I need more time off, right? That that uh, and my, and my and my boss goes, it goes, it goes. If you can't work, I'm going to have to let you go, right? I think that's fair, don't you think? That that. Uh, but however, that that's what I thought. I thought it was, I thought it was a mutual agreement between Vince and Bray. But now we're learning about. Alexa Bliss wanting her release. And Other like, talents don't feel safe, that their jobs are safe exactly. anymore, too. So I'm thinking it was just magic of a pen. Maybe someone, maybe a couple people don't like them on the executives. And they say, hey, this is the easiest, quickest time to release the motherfucker. Let's do it. I think, I think there's a number, I think a number of circumstances factor into this. I think creatively, he probably felt like he was being pigeon-held. There were times where... You know, his character probably could have gone in certain directions that didn't, that he would have liked to have seen, or he would have hoped to have, you know, transpire. Um, and I think there was some frustrations there. I think maybe that would eventually go into the mental health phase. It wouldn't surprise me if it's true that the Brody Lee death affected him. They were very close um, from their times in the Wyatt family in WWE. Um I think I, I think I think the budget cut is the excuse, but at the same time, I really wouldn't fight too hard that it wasn't the excuse. And here's why: you know, WWE has been trying to survive during the, as much as people will say, "Oh, they had record profits and this, that, and the other," you know, from their big television contracts, et cetera, et cetera. You know, people still are upset that they released 25 talents last year in the middle of a pandemic, which. Yes, it's it's not great. Yeah. Okay, it's not. 
But at the end of the day, they had to do what they had to do from a business standpoint, and they were, you know, they were operating differently at that time. You know, they weren't touring. They, you know, they they were only using a certain member number of people on the roster, et cetera, et cetera. So there's there's some understanding from all sides regarding that. And when it comes to Bray, um, I feel like you know he, he'd been on the shelf for a while, okay, and. This new president, Nick Khan, Vince is kind of letting him pretty much run the show. And he's been very instrumental in a lot of these releases and them trying to trim the fat and get themselves in a place financially, get them out of the red, so to speak, as they like to say. Um, I don't think they're in the red. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a financial you know, expert. I just so. heard, a, I just heard uh, of... I forgot who it was, so, 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 so don't kill me. But mm. uh, that, uh, that um, I think it was Dave Meltzer's report that says it says that he says budget cuts, but they're not even near the red. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, it could it could be a whole new different reason. You know, by the time this drops, and you know that'll be you know Wednesday, August fourth, if you're listening to this uh, today. Um, but yeah, I honestly. No, you did. Siri again. I hate that bitch. Um, <laughs> it's my watch again. Anyhow, I honestly, I, I don't know, man. I really don't know. But I just know that yeah, I think this is one of those cases where the the backlash is so strong from within the talents on the roster to the the, the audience that don't be surprised if he comes back sooner rather than later. If they say, you know what, let's revisit this. And, I mean, think about it. Samoa Joe was part of the most recent cuts after WrestleMania. And Triple H called him within a couple hours and said, hold the phone. Let me see if I can figure something out. And brought him back. Yeah. And, you know, he's part of NXT now. And he's going to wrestle again. Yeah. So, I... It would not shock me, to say the least, if if they said, you know what, maybe take some time. Recharge the batteries a little bit, and we'll give you a call back. Let's say in the fall, something like that. You know, maybe they'll wait. To, maybe they'll give them like a month or so, give them some more time, and then they'll call them back and say, you know, hey, we'd like to bring it back, and they bring it back for the draft because there's a rumor that the draft is going to be taking place in October. So, you know, maybe that's the case. Um, do you see him landing anywhere? else other than WWE. Let's just say they, they, they decide to, you know, you know, cut bait and that's the end of it and you know they're they're done with him for now. Do you see him going to Impact, New Japan, AEW? Where do you see him oh, going? Oh, I didn't even think about Japan, but how how sick would that be? He does the the cult leader uh gimmick in Japan. Yeah. Oh, oh dude, think of some of the like those hard hitting matches and yeah. whatnot. I I would love to see him in Japan. Yeah. But selfishly or not selfishly, I don't know what it is anymore. That that, that uh, I want him right now. As of right now, could, could, that 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 uh, I got this fiery rage. Like I I got dumped by somebody, right? I want the WWE to get their ass kicked right now. I'm I am right now seriously as of as, as of today. I'm more of an AEW fan. Now. I am a WWE fan, and it's also Kenny Omega was my favorite wrestler and blah blah blah. And then um, I want him to go to AEW. I want him. I, I want, like, the Dark Order to have this little gimmick or, like, this little story where it's, like, they're falling out the seams. Who's going to save them? 
All of a sudden, he's the one. He's the one that it comes back, uh, like to save the, the Dark Order and give him credibility, and like you know, and and who better than the brother of uh, Brody Lee? You know, that, yeah, that, uh, I could, I could honestly, that I I would love to see something like that, some something very similar, um, you know, him him leading this cult and and seeing you know the creative possibilities. I mean, at the same time. You know he's got a ninety day no complete no compete yeah. clause, so he can't go anywhere right now. Um, so if anything, we won't see him till um, October yeah. at the latest, maybe even early November. But well, my know, gut feeling, like though, that. he gets he gets resigned by the W sooner than yeah. I, I have a feeling that and the way the eyelashes, like this is, is rumored to be yeah, rumored to be. That, 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 uh, there's also rumors that another individual has asked for their release that's not a full time talent. So you gotta also wonder who's that, you know? I, at the top of my head, Edge isn't so full time these days. You really think he's requesting his release? No, no. So I mean, that could just be you know all rumor and speculation. Yeah. And, but and you think Bray and, and Edge are buddies? I, I don't know. I, I mean, you never know. Stretch. You never but know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. You know, we don't know for sure. But yeah, yeah it's very. It's very interesting, and it definitely is a big head scratcher as to to why they would go this route. And while we're you know we've gone thirty minutes deep into this subject, but let's let's circle back here to some some head scratchers in SummerSlam history um, and talk about some of the ones that really just kind of had you like, huh, what? Um, it, it you know originally, like I said, I was going to drop this show following week next week but I'm gonna, we're gonna drop build the SummerSlam next week which we've already recorded but we're gonna talk about some of these matches in, in SummerSlam history that we were just kind of like really wondering what the hell were they thinking um and I got six here that that, that come to mind and we're just gonna kind of rattle them off and talk about you know the build-up towards them what we what we thought we were gonna see what we eventually saw and whether, you know, it was a real head-scratcher or not. If we, we were just kind of like, what the fuck were they thinking? And the first one that comes to mind that I want to discuss with you is probably the more recent one out of them all, uh, recent as in 10 years ago, or 11 years ago, was the main event from SummerSlam 2010, the Nexus versus yeah. the WWE in a 7-on-7 seven seven elimination match from uh, f- from SummerSlam that year. Um Give me your th- give me just your brief thoughts on the Nexus story itself before we got to SummerSlam. What did you think of it? I I I wasn't the biggest fan of the Nexus, but I knew I knew that they they were an important group to the WWE and that they needed a big win to to, to, to help their cause and 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 everyone, including myself, just thought, all right, Nexus is going to win. It's just, it's just a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, how why wouldn't they go over? Yeah. What what, what would be the point of Cena's team to go over? Yeah. That that that, uh, that uh, it made no fucking sense. Yep. None. Yeah. Can, can, can you explain to me like why why would why would they have Cena go over that? Night? I mean, they can't. Let's 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 put things into perspective here. Let's you know comes to the context of the story they come in hot they destroy yeah. the, the 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 ringside area they destroy john cena they're these new upstarts that want an opportunity they 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 want to they, they want to you know be a big part of the of, of the show so to speak and they do everything and anything you know in their sight to 
to, to make that possible, attacking referees. You know, at one point they attacked Vince one week, you know, um, who was the owner of the company. And so I was, I, I really thought that the direction of that story was that was headed was that there was some sort of higher power of sorts. Someone really, some puppet master pulling the strings of the Nexus and really calling the shots as their way to disrupt the programming. Like I thought maybe it would have been like Triple H and Stephanie McMahon or something because they weren't on television at the time. Um, and they were trying to get a hold of Vince's company and take the company, you know, make it theirs, you know. Um, that like old regime versus new regime. I mean, it had been common knowledge to the hardcore fans that Triple H obviously being married to Stephanie McMahon, she's an executive within the company. You know, he was becoming an executive within the company. I thought that it was going to be a group that was led by them and we were going to get this big reveal maybe at SummerSlam. That would have been interesting. You know, and so I was, I was kind of expecting some kind of like aha moment, like this is who's behind it, you know. And they had such strong momentum going into it to the point where it was so hot that WWE fired Daniel Bryan, who was a part of the original kickoff of the story because he choked Justin Roberts with the tie. And they were afraid of the, 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 the toy sponsors, the, the toy deal that they, were, that they were in the midst of falling apart because they watched this guy get his, you know, you know, choked out with a necktie. So it made sense that Daniel Bryan come back, be a part of John Cena's team. Um, but what didn't make sense to me was, like you said, how Team WWE and John Cena's team won the match. Um, I mean, if you remember, Cena was like down like three to one and he came back. This miraculous recovery came back and was like, what the hell? Like, it just, you know, he got DDT'd on the concrete. I don't know if you remember that spot in the match. But one of the Nexus guys DDT'd him on the concrete. He kicked out of that and then ended up winning the match. Like, it was just crazy. And I heard a story recently in the last couple of years. I think it was an interview with Edge or Jericho, one of the two. Where they argued with Cena about the finish of that match, how Nexus should have been the ones to go over if you were going to make a statement about these guys. And Cena, you know, pulled the Hulk Hogan creative control card, so to speak, and said no. And he ended up coming out on the sweet end of that deal. So, do you think now, do you think that because they lost at that SummerSlam, that pretty much that was the end of it for them? They didn't recover. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, um, I, I mean, obviously, if they were as strong as we thought they were going to be, they could have survived it. So I guess they were just a house of cards when it comes to, the, 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 to, when it comes to push the shove to it. Yeah. That, uh, but they, they needed to win that match. And obviously, they needed to win that match because the house of cards fell down after that. Yeah. That, uh, and of course, then you have the CM Punk 2.0 version, which which. Oh, they, okay, by that by that point, uh, I think they, they jumped the shark. Yeah, obviously. that point. Yeah, yeah, I think they were trying to capitalize on the merch sales of the Nexus yeah. shirts, and they thought with Punk's popularity, it could help that. But yeah, that that was a that was a waste. That was a wasted opportunity right there. But uh, the only way that I guess uh, anyway, now I'm just 
fantasy booking. The only way that oh, gets, no, go ahead. I guess like, the only way that the only way the Nexus could have could have lost and maybe could have saved face if like CM Punk comes out of the audience, you think he's gonna fuck over Cena, he fucks over uh, Way Bryant instead, uh, Way Barrett instead, and then uh, and then he's the new Nexus leader. Oh, Cena? No, uh, Punk. Punk. Uh, uh, Punk takes it over the spot. But Punk was already in straight edge society at that point. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. Would, in okay. my opinion, be the only way yeah. that they, that could have survived. Okay. That, that, uh, but obviously. <laughs> Yeah, they they needed that win. Obviously, they didn't recover. From uh, they that. did not recover from yeah, that. They, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they. I think they needed something strong to get them more credibility. I think, despite that, Wade Barrett's character was still strong and still positioned properly at that cool. time. You know, I what actually I mean? liked him better. I actually think what he's doing now is what his calling is. Like, like, calling like, the action yeah, on the NXT. That, uh, it, it, I think his best work was when he came out. Uh, bad news. Bad news. I yeah, love bad, bad news. news. I'm amazing. afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, yeah. He no, he was good. It got so good that it got over, and then they 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 curtailed that too because they didn't want it to get over. You yeah. know, they they didn't intend for it to get over in that way. Um, very popular, you know, very talented performer, Wade Barrett. I'd love to see him have a run back, you know, in WWE yeah. in a wrestling form. I mean, form. he's a great wrestler, but I yeah. really enjoy what he's doing right now. His commentary's now. not bad. I, I I can get behind it. I, I like, you know, his... He's he's still... He's still Wade Barrett to me. You know, the Wade Barrett character, but in commentary form. Yeah. He's, he's adjusting to the role very well, I believe. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a head-scratcher. Something that I think will go down as probably one of the the worst decisions that they made creatively in SummerSlam history. And I also think, too, it was really the catalyst for, you know, fans were like 60-40, not so much in favor of John Cena. You know, he had the younger demographic and the younger audience. But, like, after, I think, this match where, you know, the rumor was was that he kind of put his foot down on the decision, I think the, the... the older demographic, the 18 to 34, 18 to 49 yeah. demographic, really were like, fuck you, John Cena. And that, like, that visceral hatred was 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 even more so for him um, after that SummerSlam. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the bigger head scratchers in SummerSlam history. John Cena easily defeating the Nexus at SummerSlam 2010. Uh, let's move on here to um, another one here. Uh, we'll go. We're gonna go backwards a little bit. We're gonna go from the most recent to the the, the oldest, um, and talk about uh, from 2005, Matt Hardy and Edge from SummerSlam 2005. Now that was the year that um, it was it was revealed publicly that um, Lita, who was the the longtime girlfriend of Matt yeah. Hardy, had cheated on him behind the scenes, and she had started dating Edge and. Matt Hardy was publicly fired because of his behavior uh, regarding the situation, how he handled it. And then WWE realized that they could probably make a little bit of money off of this. And so they rehired him and they brought him back for that SummerSlam. And him and Edge were just in a regular straight up singles match. And, you know, he had a lot of momentum coming into that SummerSlam. He was rehired and he had, you know, he he'd become even more popular. Jeff wasn't in the company at the time. Jeff was long gone by then. I think Jeff was in TNA at that time, if I'm not mistaken. 
So Matt was starting to gain a little bit of a following with this. And they bring him in for SummerSlam. And the match goes, you know, handful of minutes between him and Edge. And Edge just kind of wastes him. Like, Edge won by, like, no contest, or Matt Hardy couldn't respond to the referee's count. He was bleeding. And it just kind of made the situation, like, I don't know about you, but I expected Hardy to come in, beat the crap out of Edge, destroy him maybe, you know, get disqualified. Obviously, the story still continues. He may not necessarily win the match, but Matt Hardy comes out and gets... Comes out of it looking better than he did going in. Gets the yeah. upper hand, so to speak. Kind of sends a message to Edge that, like, I'm your worst nightmare. I'm not done yet. And instead, they kind of made Hardy look look kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, he ends up bleeding. He needs to be, a, you know, assisted to the back, etc. It's like, this dude comes back to avenge, you know, his, his girlfriend being stolen from him by yeah. his best friend. And they made the heel look, you know, come out smelling like a rose. And I and I get from a certain standpoint where they were going with the story, but I don't know. It just it, I felt like Hardy deserved a little bit better in that fish. Talk to me about that match and and what you thought about th- it. No, um, I wasn't here and there. There, I wasn't big. I I. I wasn't so big on the Hardy Boys. I was a Dudley Boy guy. Since, okay. Since I wasn't so big on the Hardy Boys. And I never, and you know me, I'd never been that big on Edge. So I wasn't, yep. I was not invested. The only thing I was kind of invested in, it was kind of like, you know, the, the Lita part where it was like, ooh, that's greasy. He's yeah. Recovering, he's recovering from injury. Like, Lita, you just couldn't give him like a phone call and be like, I'm sorry. Now that you're not with me, I understand that, 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 uh, that our relation, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that, that I don't need you in my life anymore, blah, 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 Sorry, whatever. I'm having trouble hearing you. But, but You're uh, not supposed to hear him, Siri. Okay. Jesus. What Couldn't Lena just give him a phone call and be like, I'm, I'm ending it? That, that uh, they go with Edge, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that uh, they cheat on, on him when he's recovering from injury and, like, you know, he's not there. I think that's, like, the greasiest cowardly way to cheat on somebody. That, that, that uh... So that part, like the real life part there, I was kind of invested in. Yeah. But truth be told, I didn't care who won. So so what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to give the listed audience to kick it on too is what, maybe my perspective of why the, the, the decision was made. What I'm thinking is Vince was fired up for good cause, in my opinion. Good cause. He, he, that, that, uh, you can't air, air, air dirty, dirty laundry. laundry like that. Yeah. No way. It's, 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 so I understand. So maybe he goes, all right. Heart, uh, he goes, Matt. I want to rehire you, but you know you're keening, You're gonna take. You're you're gonna lose. That that that, that, uh, that I want to propel Edge, but I want to rehire you. And now that you aired out the dirty laundry, everyone knows about your rivalry. So we need the match now. Yeah. But that that that. Uh, so but anyway, we're just gonna have one match. Get it out of the way. That that that, that you're gonna go one direction. Edge is gonna go in one direction, and it's over. Understand? I think that's what happened. I, I, I tend to agree with you there. I just think that the way that they started it, how like they just kind of made Matt Hardy pathetic. They made him look pathetic in that first they really match. Did. They really you know, did. like the, the the match was. I mean, it was it, you know, it wasn't the greatest match, but it resembled like a personal rivalry. The two of them were just they couldn't stop beating the crap out of each other. But Edge got the upper hand, and like I said, I I kind of expected or had hoped that. Hardy was going to 
look like this conquering hero. That, yeah. At the very least, you know, come yeah. out looking better than he did. Did even Lita do a dick kick to him or anything? I don't remember if she if she she dick kicked him. I know that they yeah, that, had. A, I know they had a couple matches after that. I know they had like they? a I, street I, fight on Raw that ended in like a no contest. Then the following month, the Unforgiven, they had a cage match which Hardy won. He did the leg drop off the top right. of the cage. Yeah. But then they 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 ended it with Matt Hardy and Edge on the homecoming edition of Raw in 2005 in a Money in the Bank ladder match where Edge put his briefcase on the line because he was the Money in the Bank winner. And then the loser left. It was a loser leaves Raw Money in the Bank ladder match and Edge won and Matt Hardy lost and he ended up going to SmackDown. Um, which I didn't have a problem necessarily with that, but I just felt like to really kick things off, to take you to take Matt Hardy more seriously, I thought he should have been. Lita dick kick and then he get his ass kicked. Just, like, I, like I just felt take, like, like like he takes over on Edge, right? <clears throat> then Lita comes in, stop, stop. Yeah, you're hurting my man. Yeah, stop, my yeah. Man. And then one, and once like Matt like kind of turns his head, like whatever, yeah. dick kick, and then Edge takes over. I, yeah, that would at least that, that, a little more. Okay, I, I could get behind that. I just thought like in the to like amp up his his animosity, his hatred towards him. We would have seen him maybe like maybe gets himself disqualified. Yeah. Like he brings a chair and he. I just, mean, the like, perfect world. That's exactly la- what happens. Lays out Edge, you yeah. know, or, or puts him through the announcers table, or you know, what have you, you know. But like sends a message like, you know, I'm not done with you yet, you know. Instead, it was like they wanted you to feel sorry for him, and I guess they got the desired result because you did kind of feel sorry for him, yeah. but it didn't make me think that. He had a fighting chance in this rivalry moving forward. After that's just me personally. Yeah. Maybe I'm misreading the story, but just the, I, I I have the image of like him getting carried out by the referees, and he's bloody, and he looks like he's all concussed. And I'm like, they brought him back for this for four minutes, and then this. Like I just didn't understand it. I I really didn't understand. It. I was I was really scratching my head at that one. Um, the next one here that we're gonna get into, um was the main event of that SummerSlam that year in 2005, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels. And... You didn't like the decision or the match? Um, The head-scratcher for me was turning Shawn heel. My head-scratcher was... Why couldn't Shawn be a professional? That, 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 uh... This is the match everyone's been waiting for. That, 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 that uh... And Sean acted like that? Fuck you, Sean. All right, well, do you know the reasons behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wanted 50-50 booking. Hogan said no. No, Sean wanted to be a bad guy. Or no, Sean, no. No, here, here was the story. Oh, okay. Sean wanted to be the good guy. They wanted to do babyface versus babyface. Yeah. And the story was Sean was going to challenge Hogan and be like, I just want to see if I got what it takes to beat the Immortal Hulk Hogan, the match no one's ever seen, yep. et cetera, et cetera. And um, that was what they had wa- That was what Sean had envisioned. That was what the original plan was. And Hogan went to Hogan went to management and said, um, "I'd prefer classic Hogan heel or Hogan babyface Sean heel." And Vince said, I guess this is according to Shawn Michaels, Vince said to Shawn, this is what Terry wants. And Shawn said, are you sure? Because if you want heel Shawn Michaels, I'm going to eat him alive on the microphone. Like, I'm going to tear him to shreds. Are you sure about this? He says, yeah, Terry's all business. That was what what the 
the, the, the story uh, was that I heard. And so they go on Raw. They do the angle. He super kicks Hogan. He turns heel. You know, it's very similar. Like, I want to see if I have what it takes to beat the immortal Hulk Hogan, blah, 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 but as a bad guy. And um, throughout the weeks, according to Shawn Michaels, he'd cut promos, and he did that one where he was dressed as Hogan on the Larry King show. That and, was funny. You know, he, he you know, kind of makes fun of his age and things like that. And he would go to Hogan and be like, are you sure this is okay? Oh, yeah, no worries, no problem, no problem, brother. That's It's all good, brother, you know? And... Um, I guess the idea of the finish was was that Sean was going to originally win and beat Hogan. And they were going to have a couple of matches. They were going to have a series of matches where Sean was going to win and then Hogan was going to get the win back at like Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or something the following year. And I guess Hulk had some issues with some of the things that Sean said in the promos leading up to SummerSlam. And Sean's like, wait a minute, dude. You told me it was fine. I went to you multiple times and said, are you okay with this? And you said, no problem, brother. And now you're going to pull this crap? And then you want to pull the creative control card and say you're going to win? Like, that's not doing business. And that's what resulted in Sean performing the way he did in that match with Hogan. And then, like I said, they were going to continue the rivalry and do it at WrestleMania the next year. Sean cuts the promo on Hulk and kind of shoots a little bit on Raw the next night. And Hulk says to Vince, I don't want to work with him anymore. And they had beef for a little while because of that. And I don't know if they've ever resolved their issues. I think they might have. But they had some beef for a little while, the two of them. Um, So that's the story behind that. But I personally... As much of a Hogan fan I am, I'm also a very big Shawn Michaels fan. You can see the yep. big Shawn Michaels autograph frame in the background. Um, well, Dennis could see it. You guys at home can't because you're <laughs> listening, of course. Um, one day we'll have this podcast video recorded on YouTube. But um, anyhow, um, I was a big proponent of the baby face versus the baby face. I think it would have. I think just selling the fact that it's Hogan and Michaels for the first time ever would have been tremendous. I don't think they needed to go keel baby face that was the head scratcher for me and then of course following that them not having a match and not continuing this rivalry i was like you gotta be kidding me i mean i i enjoyed the match I know, if i'm hogan I, I, I don't know about all the backroom pol- politics but yep. let's just say it was just a match versus a, uh, just a match right yep and and my opponent acted like that i go to management never again I'm not risky injury for that motherfucker. Fuck him. Yeah. No way. Okay. No way. All right. But you, so you didn't like the match. You didn't like the way Sean performed. No. No. Okay. Would I you... thought that could have been an all-time great, destroyed by one man's actions. And here's at the end of the day, some guy who's a fucking I I don't mean to knock janitors, whatever. But some guy is a janitor with three kids. That 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 that. that Went, went to went, paid good money to see Hogan versus Shawn Michaels or that 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 uh the rest go on SummerSlam, and that motherfucker told spit in that fucking janitor's face and said fuck you asshole because I want to make a point to Vince fuck you Shawn Michaels wow. fuck you Shawn Michaels wow 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 okay 
All right. I mean, that's how you feel. That's how you feel. I get it. I get it. I mean, at times during the match, yes, it was a little bit of a mockery. He kind of oversold some stuff. Oh, a little? (laughs) Yeah. Like I said. He went in there. I'm a a waiter. A proud waiter. He went in there and saw the first customer and poured coffee on his fucking pants. You're not going to recover from that. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm look sorry. at you with the restaurant analogy. I, I'm just sorry. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Do you think... All right, so that match takes place, and let's just say, you know... Or, well, let's not just say. It happened. We saw what we saw. Mm. Would you have wanted to see a second match? For any kind of re- no way. Re- not even to redeem themselves. Dude, that, I, that, no. no. Really? I, I, that was a re- that was ridiculous. What if they capitalized off the backstage politics and incorporated that into the story for a future Maybe. Match? I don't know. I'm just saying, after that, I'm just like, I'm done with this. Really? I, I don't want to ever see that ever again. Ever that's again. one of my favorite Hogan matches. I'm not going to lie. nuts, man. I, I thought it was I fun. Maybe, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like an all-time classic, yeah. but I just thought it was a fun match. Sean could have toned down a little bit of the selling, but overall, the match itself, I didn't. it didn't bother me. What bothered me was that they turned him into a heel to get to the match when they didn't need to do that. That was the head scratcher for yeah. me. That was where I was just like, why? People are going to want to see it regardless. They're not going to want to see it more because you're a bad guy and he's the classic good guy. That's just me personally. That's where I like, you know, I, I disagree with, with Hogan's train of thought going into that. But that's just me. Uh, the next one here um, from 2000. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Edge of Christian, Hardys, and the Dudleys. Me personally, I scratched my head at this finish, not because Edge and Christian won, but because the Hardys didn't win. Good point. Okay? They were in North Carolina. That crowd was hot that yeah. night. That was SummerSlam. That was such a great match. That was the moment that the Hardys should have won the tag team least, titles, in my opinion. And uh, they didn't. At least spread the love. Like, Didn't Edge and Christian won both the TLC matches, right? They won the t- so they they won these are two big ones. They won the first one, the yep. TLC. They won a Mania. They won the one at Mania the following year, and then they also won the one at Mania previous yeah, to this summer. So you they won think, three of those matches. You, you think okay? There's three teams, right? Yep. I know fifty fifty booking kind of sucks, and, it, and this way it would be thirty three point three 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 booking. But but however <laughs> however I, I get that that kind of sucks. Yeah. But you should have had. Okay, Mania, Edgy Christian, SummerSlam, Hardys, and then at Vengeance, the Dudley Boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And then you have your Grand Slam. Like Everyone's got to win in the TLC where they yep. where they go from there. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like a bigger match. Yeah. Yep. I just thought like hometown boys, you know, or not hometown, because they, you know. But Vince loves to do the curse. So if it's your hometown, you're, you're eating, you're, you're looking at the lights. Yeah, I didn't really care. I mean, a fantastic match. Yeah. Without a doubt. One of the greatest Matches of all time. Can, can I stop TLC. here real quick, though? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to ask you this question to someone who, who 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 has a lot of wrestling knowledge. Yep. Why does Vince, especially baby faces, why does Vince have have them lose in their hometowns? What's the point of that? Can, can you explain that know. to me? I don't know. I mean, it's I'm not coincidence. I'm not saying that it's like not coincidence. So I'm not saying that like they need to win in their hometown all the time. Yeah. I think with the right story, the right circumstances, it'd be nice. But I also think the right story and the right circumstances, it would be appropriate for them to lose in their hometown too. 
You know, the Hardys weren't, you know, home, born and raised in Raleigh. They were in Cameron, yep. which is, you know, a little ways away from from Raleigh. But I, I want to say it's like 40, 45 minutes, something like that, maybe an hour tops. But I just thought because the Hardys had been chasing Edge and Christian around for so long for those titles that to do it in front of their home state, in their home state, just all the stars aligned. You know, Edge and Christian had a pretty strong run as the champions from that WrestleMania to that SummerSlam. You know, we're talking two, three, four, about four and a half, five months of them being the champions and having great matches with the likes of DX, Too Cool, the APA, the Dudleys, now Hardys. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt, I was kind of, I was very disappointed. I was like, are the Hardys like the lovable losers? You know, like did like I don't get what I, I just didn't I didn't see it necessary for Edge and Christian to get another win. Yeah. In the TL in that in that style oh, of the match. Totally, well, Especially in, in SummerSlam in North Carolina that year. Thousand percent agree yeah. with you. The following month they would end up beating Edge and Christian in a cage match in Philadelphia at Unforgiven two thousand, which was a damn good yeah. match. And the, the the storytelling in that match was awesome, but I just wanted to see them win TLC in North Carolina it would have created, I think, a real cool moment. You know, if yeah. they had his father sitting at, their father sitting at ringside, some of their friends and family, etc. It would have been a really cool moment. You know, Jr. on the call, like the hometown kids mm. took the gold in North Kakalaki or some shit like that. You know what I mean? They would have, they would have made it work. Um, all right, here we go. Let's move on. We're our, we got, we got two more left here, and then we're gonna wrap this up this week. Um. This comes from 1992, all right? And this is the head-scratcher for me. Not only the build-up, but the finish, okay? Macho Man defending the World Wrestling Federation Championship against the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam from Wembley Stadium, London, England. And going into that match, do you remember the, the hype for that match at all? I actually kind of don't. I, okay. know, I, know, I, know, I know of the match. Yep. I thought it was... I thought it was Warriors... I, Warriors' best matches, of course, were against Macho Man. They were coming through. Great. I thought you said Rick Rude the other day. And I did, but, but but I want to take it back. That that that. Uh... No, but said... I gotta re- I gotta rewatch it. I know number one for me is definitely that that definitely even just work wise. Even if the Elizabeth moment doesn't happen, that's still WrestleMania my, Seven. That's still my favorite match Career for match? For, for, yeah. for Ultimate Warrior. Okay. That that. Uh... Now I really just think you're splitting hairs between cage match. Uh, cage match Rick Rude versus uh, Webley Stadium Macho Man. Cause, was that time of a draw? That no. So you talking about Warrior and yeah, and yeah, Webley. No. So so all right. So that's why I asked you if you remember. Okay. okay. So let me give you a brief rundown. I know. I know it was a schmoz so, finish. Yes, it was very schmoz, which was stupid. Um, Savage was a champion. Yeah. Defeated Ric Flair at WrestleMania that year. Him and Flair kind of still had some issues. Warrior returning at that same WrestleMania to help Hogan. He had been involved in a rivalry with Sid, but then Sid quit, so that got changed. Then they moved him over to Papa Shango. Papa Shango put a curse on him. They right. re- they, they realized that wasn't that no. wasn't working, so they they decided for SummerSlam that they were going to name the Ultimate Warrior the number one contender. On Superstars, they made this big... It's a big SummerSlam announcement. Big main event for SummerSlam coming up. And it was announced. Macho Man defended the title against the Ultimate Warrior. 
which meant Macho, which meant Ultimate Warrior jumped the line in front of Ric Flair because Ric Flair hadn't got his rematch yet from WrestleMania. So it was these two good guys, the babyface versus babyface matchup, and Flair would interject and stick his nose in where Flair would, in order for him to get a title shot, Flair tried to stir it up between Macho and Savage that Mr. Perfect was making a deal with one or the other to be in their corner to help them win or keep the championship. So the story going into it was, whose corner is Mr. Perfect going to be in? Because Mr. Perfect was the executive consultant for Ric Flair. Now, 1992, I'm nine years old. Nine-year-old David Rosenbluth, no bullshit, was like, why would Mr. Perfect be in the corner of the Macho Man? Him and Ric Flair made Macho Man's life miserable. Good point, yeah. Why would he be in the corner of Macho Man? Okay? Ultimate Warrior is a good guy. Why would Mr. Perfect, who's a bad guy, who represents Ric Flair, be in the corner of the Ultimate Warrior? Unless the Ultimate Warrior was going to turn into a bad guy. This is my nine-year-old brain yeah. working here, okay? You know? This is, I'm past the point of whether it's fake or not. You know, I hate using that word, but that seems to be the common word. So, the big hype was, who's going to be in the corner? Who's Mr. Perfect going to be in the corner of? The champ or the challenger? And they present the match. Wasn't a bad match. Flair and Perfect come out. Then at the end, you see Flair and Perfect get involved and not only attack Randy Savage, but then attack the Ultimate Warrior. And then that's where the big schmoz finishes. And then Savage and Warrior, at the end, they clear house. They stand in the middle of the ring. They hug each other. They hold each other's arms up. Warrior drapes the title over Savage's shoulder. And that begins the formation of their team. The the, the mega, the, the, the macho maniacs, or the ultimate maniacs. Or I forget what the name of the group was. And then that's when they tried to set up the match with those two against Flair and Razor yeah. at Survivor Series, but Warrior failed a drug test. So anyhow, long story short, the head-scratcher in this situation is the fact that they tried to get you to believe that Mr. Perfect, who represents Ric Flair, was going to be in the corner of one of these two heroes, and the finish itself. Like, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior... The last time they wrestled before that was at WrestleMania 8, the career match. Warrior got the win. So, nine-year-old David Rosenbluth was like, well, Macho Man's got to get the win. Macho Man's the champ. Ultimate Warrior ended his career a year prior. So, to me, at nine years old, I was confused as to why Mr. Perfect was going to be offering his services to either one of them and why they decided with the double disqualification or no contest type of finish. But talk to me a little bit about that, what your thoughts were on the buildup as well as the finish of the match. That, uh, so, so I, obviously that, that, uh, I, I actually, I, I actually liked the match. It didn't, it was like a half an hour, wasn't it? I liked the match too. Like, yeah. It wasn't that, bad I, that's at I all. I thought it was like a time limit would draw cause it was so long. But, uh, that, uh, I remember warrior, I remember warrior dra- draping the title around Macho Man. So, uh, so, uh, so, Super speech impediment. That, that, uh, That's okay. A soldier. Uh, that uh, that um, and um, but that uh, I I I liked it. So, so I I had no complaints. That, that, that uh, maybe I should rewatch it or something. That uh, but last time I saw it was VHS, like mid nineties. Yeah. That uh, 
that, uh, but if any of you guys listening want to watch it, we did a watch along of that a couple of years ago. It's in the archives at Retromania. SummerSlam 92 watch party. Anyway, I didn't have no big quarrel. I yeah. Know, I really didn't. Yeah? But looking back on it, when you think about it. Yeah, Machi should have got the mat, his win back. But do you all, all right, okay, good. I'm glad we got an answer there. But do you think that the the fin, the, the buildup made sense? Like Mr. Perfect, Ric Flair. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that they're trying to stir the pot, yeah. you know, between the, but did you really believe that one of those guys was going to be in the corner or was going to have Mr. Probably Perfect in their not. corner? And how long was it from that moment when, when Flair, what he was like a random wrestling challenge or something. He beat, he beat a macho man, right? It was like a couple of weeks after that SummerSlam. And it was like just a random show, right? Yeah. It was like a primetime wrestling or something Fucking like nuts. that. Yeah. It was very random. And that was a head scratcher, the way Macho Man lost the title. But like that match itself, I'm really I think again, you put you box your we talked about Bray Wyatt versus like, you know, uh, uh the, the the fiend getting the title yep. on on Rollins and like, you know, then you box yourself in a corner, you know? Yep. That's what they did with the match, you know what I mean? It's like, what do you do? It's Warriors Warriors uh return, Macho Man, he can't get two L's from 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 Ultimate Warrior and recover. Yeah. So, yeah, it's do a schmoz. I, I don't know. It kind of makes sense a little bit to me. Yeah. I, I, here's, here's a, here's a theory that's been thrown out there that I don't know how true this is. I've, I've not received any confirmation on it or had seen any confirmation of it, uh, you know, doing research. But there was a theory out there that they proposed the idea of Ultimate Warrior turning heel. They could have did it in that match. And kind of aligning with Ric Flair. Like, Flair would enlist in Warrior to do the dirty work. Yeah. Because Warrior ended Savage's career a year prior. Flair enlisted in Warrior to do the dirty work. Similar to DiBiase enlisting Andre to beat Hogan for him so he can get yeah. the belt. Not saying that it would be the exact same way, but along those lines, Flair would kind of hire Warrior. They'd form a, a bond and a union um and would been, warrior would have been a heel but warrior turned it down because warrior believed that his character shouldn't have changed which he's probably right on he's that. probably right on that yeah um what they did have planned following that was they looked like they were setting up for flair and warrior at some point whether that was royal rumble or whether that was wrestlemania the next year but it looked like they were kind of heading in the direction of Flair and Warrior. Because when Flair beat Savage for the title, they were kind of hinting at the idea that Warrior was going to be the next one in line for the title. And then Warrior failed the drug test, and they had to call an audible. And all of a sudden, Mr. Perfect became the replacement, turning on Ric Flair. Yeah. So, uh, But to me, I just felt like the head-scratcher and all that was... At nine years old, I didn't believe Mr. Perfect was going to be in the corner of either of those guys. And, oh, yeah, and then right. I just didn't really... <laughs> I, I didn't really see the reason for the schmoz finish, um, even though I didn't know it was a schmoz in the, you know, yeah. at nine years old. But I didn't see the reason for Macho Man not to defeat the Ultimate Warrior because I enjoyed their match so much at WrestleMania 8, their 7, that I was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do at SummerSlam 92. To the point where, if I remember correctly, I think I like forced my grandparents to take me to Blockbuster when that tape came mm-hmm. out. So I could, because I saw the pictures in the magazine. Now I wanted to see it on VHS. So, um, yeah, that was another head scratcher for me itself. And the last one, which is probably the biggest one of them all in SummerSlam history, um, Lex Luger 
Yokozuna. That is your number one. This is my number one. Uh, um, this is my number one champion for any bad booking match in the history of wrestling for me, and, and I really mean that. That that. Uh, how can you do the uh, the 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 Lex Express, the 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 whole you body slam the Yoko, body slam Yoko, that uh, that that whole thing. Then have the match. He, he he wins it. He, sure, but he doesn't win the title. Obviously, you have the balloons and the confetti and everything. Like, how can you not have him get the title that day, Dave? I I I, I I'm speechless till this day about it. That that yeah. That, that uh, look, I don't I don't like uh, I don't like Lex Luger. I sort of like Yokozuna. That that uh, but. That day, that decision made absolutely no sense, Dave. Let's 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 scale back just a minute for those of you that are that are that are keeping score here. Luger Yokozuna was the main event for SummerSlam 1993, um, and this was following Hulk Hogan's departure from the WWF. Hogan was decisively. Defeated by Yokozuna at King of the Ring '93, and they I, were looking oh, decisively. You had, you had the the Japanese guy with the camera and stuff, and yeah, I mean, I guess you can, yeah, you can make an argument. All right, so Yoko cheated, but whatever. Yeah. Hogan was written off of WWF programming; he was no longer going to be a part of the picture. They needed a new hero. Now, Bret Hart at the time was very popular; he was starting to come up, but Vince McMahon kind of went back to that old formula of like the big muscular guy. They saw Luger. They thought, great, we could make him the all, the all American hero. Excuse me, excuse me again, burping like crazy. Sorry, um, and they they take Luger, who I felt played the role of the narcissist very well. Luger knows how to play a good bad guy. Like he's very cocky. You look at him and you're like, yeah, that guy is a fucking asshole. He's that guy in the gym that you like are are envious of. Yeah, the great jealous, analogy. You're jealous of. You know, like yeah. he like you walk into the gym, you're like. This fucking guy he thinks his shit doesn't stink. You know what I mean? Like you, you look at him and, you, and you're like, damn, like this guy's a prick. But anyhow, they took that and they made him into this all-American hero. Okay, and he gets on the Lex Express. They do the whole tour. You know, he body slams Yoko. He gets the on Fourth of July on the USS Intrepid in New York City. Um, they make a big deal out of it, and it's the call to action campaign. The Lex Express. They put him on a tour bus. He goes all over the country, signing autographs, taking pictures, getting you ready to see him challenge the evil foreigner, Yokozuna, for the WWF title. In the heartland of America, the Midwest, Detroit, Michigan, the Auburn Hills. And like you said, it was USA theme all the way. They decked it out red, white, and blue. They they brought in Aaron Neville, country music star Aaron Neville, to sing the national anthem for Lex Luger to come out to. and Luger wins by a countout because he gives Yoko the bionic forearm, which he had the metal plate in his arm from a real-life motorcycle accident. And Yoko's counted out, but they still bring down the balloons and the confetti. It was like... It was like kissing your sister. Is that Yeah. <laughs> why would you... I don't understand. I honestly don't understand why you would put together a finish like that. You know, I don't know if it was 
And there's been the narrative out there that he wasn't exactly the guy. He wasn't exactly connecting with the audience. I'll be honest with you. 1993 pro wrestling between WWF and WCW was pretty crappy. Yeah. I don't think anybody was connecting with an audience. Yeah. I really don't. And I think Luger... You don't think Bret Hart, though? I think he was, but he wasn't. All right, let's put it this way. Hogan set the bar very high. Good point. Hogan set the bar very high back in the day, okay? A long, sustainable run, you know? Vince looked at that as the as the measuring stick. And if you didn't attain that, you were a failure. Brett, Luger, I think everyone who... Diesel eventually. Yeah. You know, those guys, Sean, those guys were in a bad spot. You know, those were those top guys for that era from like 93 to 96. Okay? I don't think, in my opinion, that anybody could have reached the level of success that Hogan did. Following that, yeah, you know, Stone Cold, yeah, and yeah, until Steve Austin, you know, wrestling was much different in that period from '93 to '95, '96 ish. Okay, it wasn't very popular. It just wasn't, and it didn't have that mainstream appeal when Hulk Hogan, like when Hulk Hogan was around. So, I don't think Luger did a terrible job, but I think there's more more reasons other than himself as to why it didn't work. You know, but. I will say, when he would come out and they would, you know, chant USA and the crowd would get behind him, you would think that they were positioning him to be the champion. You know, the big production they put out for him, how could you not have him win the title? At least for a short-term period of time. Like, do you think he would have had a long run if he won the belt? Or do you think he would have been a transitional champion? I think... if. If booked right, I think you could have had a very long uh, championship. But that uh, you give like the, the I obviously can't give him the Patriot gimmick. Everyone at somebody had it, but like mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and like he's Mister America and stuff like that. And yeah. like you know, we're all the heroes gone, almost gimmick. Like like our last hero, Lex Luger. Yeah, I think you could have gone to the moon with that gimmick. Yeah, that that that. that uh, it, um, but granted, you probably would need a, like a mouthpiece. I don't know what kind of patriotic um, who out there could have done a patriotic like uh, manager gimmick. But uh, you give him a mouthpiece, especially. I think he he could have went to to the moon and back. That that. Uh, but I don't know. Just In hindsight, I feel like if they were going, if they just you know they went with the finish they did, and Luger failed. I feel like they committed so much to him that they were going to try harder. Like, to see, you know, I don't know what their, re- like I said, their reason. And I think they also wanted to go with a different formula, too. You know, with with Yokozuna being the heel champion and having a longer run where the babyface chases the heel. Maybe they thought if Yoko didn't lose the title, people would want to pay money to see Luger wrestle Yoko more. Even though their matches weren't the greatest. You know, people would want to see Luger go after the title more. I don't know. But at the same time, Brett was still pretty popular in that era that they probably should have pulled the trigger earlier with Brett um, and give him the belt back or at least slot him in with Yoko. Here's an idea. Luger does this call to action campaign. He comes up short and loses to Yoko. And then he gets frustrated with the idea that Brett is becoming more popular. He turns on Brett. 
And he did it all for the money. You know? And we kind of go back to the narcissist a little bit. But like you said, you give him a mouthpiece. You know? Maybe even a Jim Cornette. Yeah. You know? Jim Cornette managing Lex Luger. You know? Or maybe you... you you keep Bobby Heenan as because Bobby Heenan was the one that introduced him to yeah, WWF television. Nurses, yeah. Maybe you bring Bobby Heenan back, and Bobby Heenan's his manager, but while he still does commentary, you know, at the table, I don't know. Um, but I, I still think that, that uh, without even changing gimmick or whatever, I think that Mister America, Lex Luger, whatever, I think that could have been over big time. I, I think it had potential too. I also think if he got the, I think it would have gotten. I mean, it died at SummerSlam. I don't care what anyone says. Well, yeah, because of the finish. It died. Because of the finish. Yeah. I mean, they positioned him to, oh, it's a, it's automatic he's going to beat Yoko. Automatic he's going to walk away with the belt. Yeah. He celebrated like he did win the belt. I think the two biggest shocks when it came to that, I thought everyone and their mother thought Roman Reigns, the, the Mania versus Brock Lesnar, he was gonna, he was gonna walk out the champion, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, and then and Rollins then, came in, snuck in, and cashed in. No, no, no. Oh, oh, excuse me. The 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 second time they fought at Mania. That, that, uh, oh, the yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, like everyone was like, oh, why do you even have the match? Just give the fucking title to Roman. Yeah. You know, Brock's and going to UFC. Those yeah. two, those two are. Trying to, but granted, I actually thought that was a, a nice surprise. I'm like, wow, Brock, good for you, man. We all, we all, we all <laughs> shitted on you. Good for you, man. Yeah. And we didn't give you no chance. This one, however. This was a bad one. Yeah, that, 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 uh, they made it seem it was like a conclusion. We we're gonna have the next, uh, you know, Captain America. Yeah, you know? and they they really fucked that up, man. Do you do you think because of the purposes of how they built him up, they sh- they at the very least he could have won the belt and then dropped it like a month later? Yeah, I give him a constellation prize. Be yeah. like be like the intern got another chair because neener 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 can't be Yokozuna. Then boom, right? They at least give him the IC title or something. Make him a champion some way, somehow. Yeah. yeah. Pair him up with the Patriot. Make him tag champs or something. Well, they, they paired him up with Davy Boy, but for whatever reason, they didn't yeah. pull the trigger on that either. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that to me, like, I as a kid, I expected full-blown that, like, at 10 years old, like, oh, this is automatic. Luger's walking away yeah. with the title. And when I found out he won via a countout and they still celebrated like he won the belt. Oh, it's fucking nuts. I was like, Huh? If people listen to audience of Kick Air 2, if you're in the younger audience and you've never seen it, don't even watch the match. Go all the way to the end and give us... Go to the finish. Go to finish and, and type in... SummerSlam 93, Lex Luger, Yokozuna. Watch the finish of the match. I'd say probably watch the last, like, 10 minutes of the match. No, no, don't even do that. Not I just even. want to go okay. to way, way end. Just, 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 just when the, the bell rings and the celebration... Give us a comment on what kind of format we got, where someone can uh, like send us a message or anything. Like, oh, you, yeah, you can send us a message on Facebook or Twitter or drop you know right on our wall. Uh, yeah, I mean whatever. That's what I mean, I want you to get, tell us what would you have thought uh, happened that night. Was he the champion? Was he not a champion? You know what I mean? I'm just so if you didn't watch the whole match, yeah, you I mean, just watched the end, the celebration. Yeah, yes, exactly. Okay. But yeah, he would have had the belt if he was the champ. He didn't carry the belt. <laughs> Fucking nuts. Yeah, maddening. I know it was. It was wild. That was probably the biggest one. That's. That, I think that's the biggest one personally because of the way that they built him up. I know you're know? talking about SummerSlam. They, I'm talking about any federation. Yeah. Any company. Yeah, any, I don't know about I, that. I don't know. I really do. I think that was the worst booking decision. 
It was, it was pretty bad. Wrestling. The very least, I'll they die in that hill. The very least, they could have given Luger the belt for at least like mm-hmm. a month or so. Like you know, maybe have him drop it at like a wrestling challenge or a Monday Night Raw or something. You know, make a big deal out of it. You know, I don't know, but yeah, it was, it was, it was. I didn't, I didn't care for it, and it really made, it really made me as as a ten year old, um, have less interest in him. Because he didn't win the belt, and they built him everybody. up to be this big deal. That was so everybody. I don't know. I don't know what, what you know what their reasoning behind it was. Like I said, the narrative out there is that he wasn't ready. He wasn't the guy. He wasn't connecting with the audience. But I don't think there was much of an audience to connect with at the time because 1993 pro wrestling so well sucked. Yeah, it really did. It was not the greatest. It just wasn't creatively, from character standpoint, business wise, they weren't drawing. They were wrestling in small little armories at one point. I think they were even wrestling in like high school gyms. They were like doing Monday Night Raws from like small little like 1,000 seat like high school gyms. Like, yeah, like it was, you go back and watch the early like 93, 94, maybe even some parts of 95. They were in small dingy buildings and they were hardly drawing. So um, I don't think, I don't think the excuse that Luger wasn't connecting with the audience is the proper yeah. narrative to put out there but nonetheless it was what it was luger big fanfare big celebration and it was just all for nothing so uh with that being said i think it's about that time that we we, we wrap it up this week dennis what do you think good show yeah yeah, yeah i think so uh, i i appreciate the time as always um you know uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be back at it next week with our build a summer slam justin joins us or he joined us, I should yeah. say, as we recorded it just a few days ago. We're going to drop it for you next week on the thread at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Now we're searching Retromania with a W. Build a SummerSlam. We had a lot of fun. We we, 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 we had a format. Yeah. It was a take on the ultimate show that you see on WWE Network on the Peacock where they do like a dream card. But instead we took the original matches that took place and we put them in our ultimate, our Build a SummerSlam card. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun doing that. That's definitely a format that I think we're going to continue uh, from time to time on special occasions. Get the three of us, get the whiteboard out, and just have at it and have a little fun um, here on Kicking Out It too. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be next week. And then the following week, we are going to – I think we're going to watch – we're going to watch some a SummerSlam of some form or fashion. I don't know if it's going to be the entire event or maybe a match, favorite match of ours, but we'll figure it out. And then ending the month of August – my good buddy Dean Yolanis is going to join me once again. I promised that he was going to be back, and he wanted to come back so we could watch the entire SummerSlam 1991 event. That was the very first SummerSlam I had ever watched as a kid. It was with Dean. We ordered it on pay-per-view at my grandparents' house. So we're going to go back and watch that uh, as we approach the 30th anniversary of that. And then I think, Dennis, I think we're going to – the month of September, you're a big ECW guy. Love it. Okay. We're going to watch some old ECW TV episodes, okay? We're going to just randomly watch episodes. We're going to scroll through the network and just kind of look and see, you know, and and watch. And they're like 45 minutes, 42 minutes at a clip, so it's not like we're going to be doing any kind of marathons. But, yeah, we're going to watch that back uh, next, uh, you know, in the month of September. All month long, it's going to be ECW-themed month here on Kicking Out It Too. But I'm not going to get too far into the weeds because sometimes the schedule changes as always. So with that being said, I think it's about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count. See you all next week.